0: Uh, hello and welcome to, what episode are we on now?
1: Ah, five. Five, I think, yeah. Five. Welcome
0: to episode five of One Book, One Film, One Song, the podcast that chats to people doing cool stuff and asks them to choose a book, a film, and a song that's made them who they are. Uh, how are you doing this week, Charlie? You all right?
1: Yeah, brilliant, thank you. Been um, been to the pub a couple of times, so
0: Lovely, yeah, me back too. back into my
1: old lifestyle, yeah,
0: feels yeah. good the money is um very quickly falling out of my account again
1: yes
0: (laughs) i didn't realize um we've had a lot of nice um feedback from last week's podcast so thanks to everyone um who enjoyed it we're we're glad that people are enjoying it yeah
1: not surprised but pleased
0: yeah yeah uh so who is our guest this week charlie
1: um our guest week guest this week, Sam. Our guest week. Our guest this week, Sam, um, is you, isn't it? Because we felt what? like I <laughs> I haven't prepared. <laughs> <laughs> um, I felt like I'd kind of done my choices, but there's a little bit of mystery around you. Yeah. I felt a bit jealous of. Um so now we're gonna say yours, aren't we?
0: Yeah, and I think just maybe to let people know a bit more about me rather than just a guy.
1: Oh, on the other
0: end of the microphone
1: yeah exactly it's all about creating connections this podcast isn't yeah, it exactly so, um so should we start with should we start with your book and go from there is that yeah, yeah do, you wanna, do you want to do you want to in fact no introduce yourself a little bit more than that maybe like say where you are what you do and then we'll start from there
0: okay um so <laughs> <I'm>... <laughs> what's
1: your name and where'd you come yeah.
0: from <laughs> So I'm Sam, as everyone knows already. I currently live in Brighton and what I do now is I am a a lead uh, learning support worker at a college for young adults with um, special education needs, mostly autism. It's kind of like an autism-specific college. Uh, So my role there is kind of doing a lot of supporting, naturally, but also training other staff members up and kind of quality assurance and carrying out observations and just trying to pass on knowledge that I have <laughs> attained over the Barely past few years. dreamed about yourself. <laughs> yeah.
1: It was quite a surprise career turn for you, wasn't it? Not surprised in terms of your personality, but you weren't necessarily kind of like passionately headed there, were you, before you moved to Brighton?
0: No, no, definitely not. Before I was doing that, I lived, obviously, in Manchester, up there, um, as people may have gathered. Uh, And I was very kind of heavily involved in the music scene in Manchester and putting on gigs. I used to play in a band and, yeah, always was kind of involved in what we have referred to on this podcast before as like the DIY community, but kind of, um, yeah, creating connections through music. Um yeah. So that's what I was doing before and also working in a cafe. The lovely Fallow Cafe with lovely yourself.
1: Cafe. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, so it was a bit of a it was a, a drastic career change, but I um yeah, I I have some friends of a friend kind of like worked there and there was a position coming up and I just applied for it with no experience and got it and just best thing I've ever done because really I absolutely mm-hmm. love it and like, yeah it's brought a real purpose to my life which I think was kind of lacking after kind of yeah dropping out of that close-knit um music community that I was so used mm-hmm. to um yeah. and I, I think one day I would like still like to tie the two passions together in some yes. point. um but yeah just waiting for that a good opportunity for that to to happen to yeah. happen so that's I think it's From
1: my kind of faraway observation, I think it's been something that I wouldn't necessarily have been like, not in a mean way, I wouldn't necessarily have been like, oh, Sam will do this job or Sam would be like, mm-hmm. uh, we'll end up in this. But actually, I don't know why I didn't think that because when you've done it, it suited you perfectly, hasn't it really?
0: Yeah, I was surprised myself. I was a bit like... I hadn't even kind of considered it before. There was nothing. I think I was just so, at one point anyway, driven to just be do be involved as music as 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 I possibly could. That, mm-hmm. that I didn't really have any other. I don't think I really had any other interests. I was probably quite a, <laughs> a one-dimensional no, person. Like,
1: maybe <laughs> like craft beer and cocktails.
0: Yeah, but I think that was more out of necessity necessity. of the
1: maybe drinking them paid work.
0: (laughs) Yeah, the more I knew about craft beer and cocktails, the easier it was probably to get a job.
1: Yeah,
0: in a bar or cafe. So yeah. Yeah.
1: Um. So maybe then let's talk about your first book because I I don't know if you I obviously know what it's about and I've read a bit of it, but it kind of feels like but it's kind of a, well, you say what it is and then we can kind of discuss what it's about, can't
0: we? Yeah. So my book, um, I was trying to not be so cliched, but I just couldn't think of um, another one. But it's On the Road by Jack Kerouac. And Um, people
1: do love it. I think sometimes cliches are cliches for a reason, aren't they?
0: Yeah, someone said to me, like, you know, classics are classics for a reason. Yeah. Uh, yeah, It is a a really good book. Um, I'm not like... I haven't, I read it, it's kind of, I think it shaped me because I read it when I was like 16 Mm -hmm. and I just thought it was like the coolest thing ever. So I probably didn't even read, read it with like a really analytical coming from that kind of point of view and like really getting too into the themes. The themes are quite obvious. I mean, I think the, where it wears itself on its sleeve a little Mm -hmm. bit, the book, um, But I just thought the style of writing was something that I'd never witnessed before. And it kind of made me, it made me want to be a writer, I think. Um, Well,
1: I've just heard now, because obviously I've I've read a bit of it, but not all of it. And so I was just in the pub now and I was with some people and I was like, right, I'm going to talk to Sam about this book. Like, obviously, it's a really well-known book. I've read a bit of it, but not all of it. Kind of, what do we know about it? And apparently he wrote it all in one go
0: yeah it's all a so
1: stream of consciousness but it's also actual his own kind of stream of consciousness as well
0: yeah it's all i think i think it's all on one part on yeah. yeah like one yeah, yeah. scroll which is still like it's probably i think it's in a museum somewhere um but yeah that's kind of wacky isn't it
1: imagine concentrating for that long on something
0: or not concentrating, just letting it flow uh, out, yeah, of letting it out of you as more to the hand, point, yeah. I think. Um, yeah. So that was kind of really inspiring and just kind of like, some it's just someone doing something a different way.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like, And there was, there was people around, around, obviously, doing the same thing. I think like Ginsberg was around at the mm-hmm. same kind of time. And
1: it's part of that kind of like beat scene, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's meant to be kind of written in that way uh, but i think that i think kind of again from reading a bit of it and knowing what it's about it is kind of quite a 16 year old you book yeah. isn't it like i think if i read it now i just feel very stressed about like where are yeah. you going to shower like where are you going to have your dinner kind of thing i think it is like quite an idealized yeah, teenage way it really
0: captures that spirit of just like you know when you are that age and you you don't, you don't, you're not scared of anything. Like yeah. I certainly really wasn't and just used to. And this took that to like, um, I thought it was just so cool. And I thought I was so cool from just like, I just thought, <laughs> yeah, just great. I like, do whatever I want to do this. I'll just go and study English literature and it'll be really cool.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, you were. Which you know, I, which I did. Honest. I went off and studied English literature and it was, it wasn't like that. No, um, but I think in terms of it. I think making... you think
1: when you like read those kind of books, or you like hear about people like going to uni or like going away and having these experiences. And I was actually just very anxious for my fresher's week and didn't really want to leave. I thought I was gonna have this like wild time and like snog those boys and like go not go to bed for like however long. And then I was yeah. actually just quite nervous for my initial initial oh. few weeks at uni it did get better and it did get more like the lifestyle that I thought I was going to have but I think you can't like ever like achieve that ideal can you that you like read about or think you're going to have
0: no yeah definitely not and like just in terms of like who in your first year the way that it works is you just get put in a flat with random people and and they're the kind of the people around you, or in the flats around you, the people that you know you you make connections with quicker. But you know, those people were doing like international business management, or, <laughs> or like, or just like you know, just to me, just like really boring shit. Like eighteen years old, just like oh god, this isn't You're like you know, when, yeah, we're not like signing <laughs> some like little cafe like smoking cigarettes and listening to some slam poetry or whatever whatever ideal I had yeah um yeah so it kind of in terms of making me who who I am it had a direct effect on me going to Manchester to do that um which has led me obviously every choice I made has made me who I am so Mm -hmm. but in terms of like the, yeah the reality didn't at least in the yeah first couple of years in yeah. manchester didn't really live up to the expectation
1: i think moving to manchester as a 24 year old kind of more matched my expectation of like what i wanted to have i think like being a bit older um but the other interesting thing about it is it's quite like it is kind of its roots are in music aren't they its roots are in jazz music and yeah. it's like completely about that scene and One of the guys I was with at the pub before said that when he read it, the way that he wrote about music and about sound was completely phenomenal. And just it's really hard to capture kind of music in literature because um, oh, it's hard to find the language, isn't it? To describe songs that you like. Often we just resort to kind of singing them as well. So I think... um, there's possibly, I don't want to put your own influence on you, but it's kind of like that teenage idealism as well, but like the foundation of that being kind of very like music heavy and music based.
0: Yeah, it definitely, in terms of kind of expressing raw emotion, I think music is the best way to do that. Mm -hmm. But the way he writes in On the Road is is you know, very close to matching that kind of um, level of intensity of emotion that you can get through listening or, like, you know, writing music, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a good point. I hadn't really thought of it that way, but, yeah.
1: Sorry to put your own
0: no, experience no, onto you.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: No, <laughs> I for telling you
1: This has just become a counselling session. <laughs> 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 where I get you to choose selections and I psychoanalyse you
0: yeah, via the nice.
1: selections. So then when you went to uni, did you kind of get involved with the music or we hate the word scene, don't we? But did you get involved kind of with the parts of music that you wanted to be involved with then? Did it happen before?
0: No, you- not straight away. So I was playing um I was I did I played in an indie band in Bradford. Um my brother was in quite a big indie band, in probably Bradford's premier indie band, but maybe of all time, called Red Wire. Um, shout out Red Wire. <laughs> and that, <laughs> that really kind of, um, I just, you know, I think they started when I was like 13 or 14 or something. So I just thought that was the coolest thing
1: mm-hmm. in the world.
0: Like you had to be in an indie band. That was that like, really cool. It so, is the
1: coolest thing in the world. Don't, yeah. I don't want to hear anything else about that. <laughs>
0: So yeah, we, we like started um, a band when we got into sixth form uh, called Oddbeat.
1: Yeah, nice, lovely.
0: Okay. Um, we were kind of, I would say maybe like mod flavored indie.
1: Okay, mm-hmm. who were your influences?
0: Um, we were listening to like a lot of like the Who and the Jam. Yeah, nice. kind of, you know, the obvious ones around that time, like Arctic Monkeys and the Strokes and stuff like that. Um,
1: Did you play any shows?
0: We played loads. Yeah, yeah, did we you? Wow. we gigged all throughout our six form days. <laughs> we played most of the pubs in Bradford.
1: Did you get paid for any shows? Uh
0: yeah, we used to get wow. paid. It always, dep- it always depended, sometimes we'd just do free ones, sometimes yeah. we'd get paid. We actually went we had, we did a bit. We like, went and played in Newcastle and Manchester, yeah. which was a big deal at the time. Where well, did
1: you play in Manchester?
0: We played a gig at um Platt chapel as well we played two mm. gigs we played one in Platt chapel um before it became like a bit of like a became a bit of um like a squat place where people like a lot of punk bands used to play mm. but this was years before when it was actually like a i think it was like a church community center <laughs> when we played it
1: Sick. Um, i didn't know about that
0: <laughs> yeah me and me and uh, my friend daniel driscoll and um, joe kershaw that was odd beat and hudema oh. used to be our roadie <laughs> of course he did <laughs> um.
1: so had that sixth form came to manchester and then because what i'm interested in really is because i know you as um kind of part of family tree and how so how did that come together like how did you meet Danny that that... was
0: yeah that was like so for the first two years as kind of you know just hang around with the people doing international business management
1: yeah Mm -hmm.
0: stuff like that (laughs) talking
1: very seriously about shares yeah
0: and then um I my second year I failed I failed university I failed my first year of university and they offered me to resit the year but not attend any classes Right, Um, Which meant I could just resubmit my work, but I would have the year off. So if I wanted to stay in Manchester, my mum said I had to get a job. So I worked in loads of jobs, like just working in bars, like loads of different ones and just kept leaving, didn't really like them. And then got a job at a newly opened like bar venue called Gorilla, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: um, which is still there to this day, very popular. But it was, yeah, it was very, it was very new and kind of met a lot of very cool people there um, working there who were kind of involved in the music scene, but specifically um, like my friend Danny, who's like my best friend to this day, and we're still trying, we're always still trying to come up with new kind of things or do (laughs) new things. But yeah, we basically, we just started chatting about music and then went to start going to shows together. And he he already had a lot of friends. He was from Sheffield and had a lot of friends kind of doing music and involved in like the DIY community. Um so when I met so when they used to come and play in Manchester, I'd meet them. So that's the likes of like Best Friends, mm-hmm. um, Nye Harvest, Avida Dollars. Um, so when I met those guys, that's when I kind of, you know, the possibilities of making music and it being on your own terms um kind of became a possibility but before that me and danny decided to just put on gigs Mm -hmm. um so we used the name family tree and we carried on doing that for about i think we ended up doing it for about four years in manchester we did it until we left manchester basically and we put on loads of gigs uh first mostly used upstairs at Fallow Cafe, and they were the real kind of, um, I'm going to use the word legendary.
1: Yeah, I think that's, I. <laughs> as an independent adjudicator, I say that that is the correct word to use.
0: <laughs> you know, because at Fallow Cafe at the time, there'd be a lot of gigs and there wouldn't, sometimes it wouldn't be really quiet and they would be busy, even if the band was good. But we kind of managed to strike this balance where we got, really good up-and-coming bands and a lot of people who wanted to come and see them and mm-hmm. it ended up being a really kind of and we used to DJ like afterwards and we'd go on till like three in the morning and it used to just this used to be really fun and yeah, the words got round and just yeah they used to be really busy and packed like every time so through that we just kind of met so many people in the in the Manchester music scene mm-hmm. And then in the Sheffield music scene as well. So we started doing gigs in Sheffield as well. And and then... So, so I bet then, that
1: feeling was brilliant because I know, do you yeah. know some days you get that feeling and you're like, if my 15-year-old self saw me today, they would be like, I'm really happy <laughs> with how where you are. Yeah.
0: Or where, yeah, like completely. how you are.
1: And those moments are like, I think you have to search for the moments sometimes. And I think it's a really good kind of, way of validating yourself, but there are certain periods in my life where I'm like my 15 year old self was like absolutely buzzed that those that that kind of happened.
0: It was the thing where it's like it was. I found what kind of thing I'd been looking for, and I didn't really, I didn't know it existed.
1: Yeah, I just kind of,
0: I knew that something there was some somewhere that I belonged, but I didn't know exactly where. And then that that happening kind of yeah that was like oh this is it this is this is what I'm meant to be doing at this time yeah um so yeah it was it was so good and like pretty much all my all my good friends now I still got a couple of friends from like school and like early university days but the majority of my good friends now I've met through like playing live music Mm -hmm. um so yeah. So again, it
1: is a community. I think
0: yeah. completely one hundred. We've made that a
1: theme. I'm not. I don't feel like I'm forcing that theme onto this. No, I no, think definitely not. Everyone knows everyone, and everyone's like, oh, I know this. It is. It is a community, and I think it's you know before this week when they announced that they were going to give funding to venues and funding, you know, small ones, and they were going to try and kind of look after these independent venues. It was a community that was at real risk, wasn't it? you know kind of for the last month or so there's been you know maybe i won't be able to go and be one of 20 people in a room watching a band that i found on my spotify discover or you know yeah yeah exactly
0: and you know and then it's it's denying people a a shot a a chance at like belonging to something Mm -hmm. you know and how important is that that's all people want in life is just to belong to someone or something or whatever that, you know, basically that's like one of your basic human wants, isn't it? To to feel, belong.
1: And I think music does, well, Oh, like literally (laughs) really like 70s hippie then, but I think music scenes and seeing people that you always see at the same gigs and then like meeting them in the smoking area and stuff, that is proper kind of community, isn't it?
0: Yeah. I mean, we could, you know we put up so even if we weren't putting on like the bands that came from out of town they'd always stay at our house like yeah they're always like staying you know sleeping bags on the floor even if we didn't know them and like once they played for us they they were like a they were our friends then because we'd spent all night with them we'd got up the next day and we'd got it wasn't just like we were just this faceless promoter who'd turn up and take the money like we came we made sure that they had like enough food they had a place to stay like we went for breakfast with them in the morning mm-hmm. we like hung out and just like was doing that was so valuable like just forming those kind of friendships and so in turn it meant when we when we started our own band we could dip in we could go to kind of any city in the UK pretty much and mm-hmm. we knew we'd have a place to stay or we knew we'd have friends who'd come come to our gig because that's just what we what we'd done before yeah. and it was yeah
1: and I think it can feel quite frustrating being at that level can't it because obviously me music industry is quite ruthless and I think again it wasn't when we were thinking about who was gonna not funding those small venues wasn't just about not being able to go to shows it was cutting off those little bands or those little artists from their community yeah. wasn't it and from their support system and people who said no it's not just like a pipe gym you don't shouldn't go and study international business strategy like you're doing the right thing and we're all here because we love your songs
0: yeah right. and that was it and I think you know I spoke about my brother's band and the, the the aim for them was always let's get a record deal and because that was the that was like the indie scene at that time yeah. it was like indie bands were just getting signed to major labels you know and that mm-hmm. was the end goal but and I kind of always thought that. And it was so refreshing to just be in this community where, you know, getting a major deal wasn't like the end goal. I mean, it yeah. was for a couple of people and a few people did out of it or, you know, got signed to like big indie labels. But just having that community and having like, you know, a cult following or whatever, that was that was enough for mm-hmm. most of the bands that involved in that, definitely.
1: And I don't want to like make it like a kind of a prescription but I think there's such a benefit to people from having that creative outlet as well and I think if you stop it being something that people aspire to you stop people like your band rehearsal I imagine obviously I don't know I imagine your band rehearsals or like writing songs or like recording it's such a sense of like doing something and doing something that you really love and I think if we lose that then what are all, like what are people gonna do like what else whether and those people who play who play instruments aren't gonna go and like take up knitting or like jogging are they there's just a big old vacuum for those people. yeah
0: if you lose purpose you know that's the first exactly that's the first step to just becoming very deeply unhappy
1: i feel like i'm not as good at, at the segues but i feel like there's a really good segue here into your film so if you <laughs> yeah want to do the segue <laughs>
0: um, so me. I suppose I picked when I sent you my choices <laughs> I had had a few beers and it seemed to make really make sense to me I was like oh my god yeah that's definitely the film that's kind of <laughs> affected me most and I've been thinking should I change it um, you
1: want, now's the time if you want
0: to. No, I'm going to stick with it, and then yeah, I would never I, respect I, you. I maybe you have it, it on a on a, 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 a mention. Okay. Um, but the film that I chose uh, is School of Rock.
1: <laughs> <You're> <laughs> legend. <laughs> yeah.
0: And I suppose, and actually, thinking...
1: you did say at the beginning that you were really hoping to combine your job. With your pa- uh, passion for music, so yeah. really, this has influenced you in more ways than we ever imagined, hasn't it?
0: Exactly. Yeah. Who knows? I don't think I want to be a teacher.
1: You don't want to make the School of Rock.
0: No, I don't want to make the School of Rock. Okay. Uh, however, um, I would like to get in. There's really some, some really good um, kind of organisations in Brighton. Where uh, there's an organisation called Gig Buddies. Um, mm-hmm where you can volunteer and you get buddied up with someone with, um, uh, special education needs and you just go to the gig, go to gigs with them. and um, just, so it enables them to experience, you know, going to a gig with someone who's not getting paid to be with them and actually yeah. also wants to be there. Yeah. Um,
1: That's amazing. but there's
0: loads yeah. And there's loads of stuff. I think there's one called like the house of rock, which is like a, a learning, um, disabilities, Uh, live night where all the bands are so I'm I'm really I'm looking to get involved in them once you know live music is is up Up and and kicking again again.
1: yeah
0: but uh, yeah I think
1: so what do you think you how (laughs) how did School of (laughs) Rock influence you um as an adult man
0: I think I just (laughs) well I again I'm looking at things that I I've taken it quite literally as like who, what's made me who I am, as in things that, you know, I've thought were amazing at a certain point in my life. Yeah. I'm not saying now. To be
1: clear for the record, and I'm happy for this to be recorded, I still think School of Rock is an amazing film. And I, if someone was like, I went around <laughs> to someone's house and they were like, do you want to watch School of Rock? I'd be like, Yeah, yes.
0: every, I think everyone of our ages. This is We're in danger of getting, you know, a bit like that millennial meme here. We're like, School of I Rock's am, awesome. I I'm am a millennial Puff.
1: meme. I'm Hufflepuff and I love School of Rock. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, but yeah, I, obviously at the time, I was probably what, eight or nine? Yeah, we, shall I, I watch, see
1: when it came out?
0: Yeah, let's have a look. But I just thought that was the coolest fucking thing in the world, and I was just like that. I want to be even at like you know eight nine years old. I've been in bands since I was two thousand and
1: three.
0: Yeah, so I would have been ten.
1: Yeah.
0: So that probably directly correlates to I did start a band when I was about ten years old.
1: There
0: you go. Um, So I've been in bands since I was about ten years old. Mm. Um, And yeah, it just I just thought it just was. And then that has led me on a path of wanting to, you know, get really involved in music. So I'm not saying that School of Rock is the most important film to me ever. But I think... But it's the film that's probably, you know, had an influence on me at a very early age of 10 years old. and But it's what's led, really it's led cool me about this, it path that has made it's led me down this path that's made me who I am today and I will will die on that hill
1: (laughs) I will be up there with you (laughs) but I think the cool thing about it was because obviously like so I um I I was a bit older so I must have been like 12 I think and I think I was having some guitar lessons at the time but the cool thing about it is is like the people in the band aren't necessarily like the cool kids like the guitar kid he's cool whatever fine boring but loads of other people, they're the music nerds and they're the people, who like... And it was the inclusiveness of it, I think, yeah. at the time was really nice because it was, like, you don't have to be this, like, certain type of person to be in Jack Black's school rock band. Like, you And,
0: be- yeah, and there's a real important message of being yourself is cool. Yeah. When the, the girls... Um, she she's an amazing singer but has this crisis of confidence and he you know he takes her to the side and he's like what are you talking about you're amazing and whatever and it's just like you know that's a that's a good good message for a 10 year old to take on I think
1: yeah it's a very like confidence boosting film and I'm actually really happy that you chose it because I think it's I think it's good I wonder um I don't know. I I feel like I want to ask my Gen Z siblings what they think about what it. What they
0: think of School of Rock.
1: I think they'd be like a bit ironic about it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, not actually realising how deep it is for a lot like of people. Like in the
1: same way that they pretend that they love Jason Derulo riding solo, but it's because it's like vintage to them. I feel like they would have the same attitude too yeah of rock. bloody gen zeds nothing serious to them
0: yeah you know nothing sacred no they, have they, no f- they just take the piss
1: feelings. out
0: they just take the piss out of everything <laughs> i'll call a doggo a doggo if i want to if i
1: want to yeah. <laughs> if i want to have an avocado on toast instead of a mortgage i yeah. will gen zeds get off my back
0: so we didn't one... have avocados when we were younger <laughs> When when avocados came on the scene, that was a big deal. They were huge. It was a big deal. I mean, I'm sure avocados have always existed, but... I didn't have one. I didn't have one until I was about... Yeah, I I think I had one until I was about 20 years old. (laughs) They finally
1: shipped them over from (laughs) South America. The boat finally made it and we tried an avocado. So what I... My kind of one I wanted to ask about this but you can if it's a tenuous link just smooth over it is obviously Jack Black random dude who loves rock music gets thrust in a classroom and kind of is a new experience for him and I think can you see where I'm going with this I feel like Mm. that's maybe something that you could empathize with in terms of he goes in he thinks he's gonna be the teacher and he's going to sort these kids out but actually he learns a lot doesn't he he from learns them. from and them and that's something you've mentioned before yeah and something I'd really like to unpick because I think it's a really lovely attitude that we get that we kind of get in my job told that we should do but you seem like someone who really genuinely kind of does that we like working with working alongside
0: yeah yeah um yeah i' have mentioned it before, but I think it is worth delving a bit into but I think you do have so when i started so i started as like a support worker, and there is this feeling of just like i'm I'm the neurotypical person here mm-hmm. so I am more well equipped to tell this person how to live their life, yeah. And that's like, you know, that's the prejudice that just people grow up with. Um, And I think until you spend a lot of your time around um, the people that I do, people do just have that kind of idea. But I quickly learned that there was, you know, I had just to embrace it and kind of... it's, It's more about, for me, is... Enabling people to give give people the tools to help themselves, basically, and like sort themselves out.
1: I think possibly what the kind of um, the interesting thing is is that as neurotypical people, we've we have a society that has been built by us and around us.
0: Yeah, and for us. Yeah, yeah, and
1: for us. So actually, what we're it's not like a rule or it's not like a solid fact that this is how things have to be. What it is, what's well, so it's got a name, hasn't it? It's like the social model social, social model. Social
0: model versus the medical model. Yeah, yeah. Where the medical model is like the person is the is the problem and that and that's what makes them disabled. Yeah. Whereas the social model, I mean this is you can go more into it, it's very basic, but the social model is that the environment and society is what disables people. Yeah. And if you alter society, those people should have the same opportunities.
1: Yeah. And experience and, and again, less anxieties. Yeah. yeah. So I think the, well, you go on to say what you were going to say, but I feel like it's kind of along that ground, that kind of line of we ourselves are the people that are disabling other people. Yeah. As a society. And if we listen, if we see what people's experiences are then we can make the changes necessary so that there doesn't have to be people who have disabilities instead it's just people who experience things differently but actually everyone's experience in general is more positive
0: yeah completely and understanding that you know not every disability is visible like you know you wouldn't you wouldn't be able to tell you know you wouldn't be able to tell if an autistic person was walking down the street you, mm-hmm. you don't know what is going on for everybody so it's not just like it's not just seeing it's not adjusting your behavior when you encounter it it's it's adjusting your behavior all the time or just changing changing your behavior and changing society's behavior to to it, it not being like a difference when it when it comes up it's mm-hmm. always like that that's how it should be so you know, it should. It's great that you know you, we have like shopping centers and stuff. They do like artistic hours where um, you know the lights are dimmed. There's not mute, not like loud music playing or whatever mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But then it's like, what so people who you know have sensory processing difficulties only have one hour to shop in a week? Yeah. Like, yeah that's not equal is it why do we that's have those equality? things anyway As yeah, well. exactly
1: why have we got to what I bright the lights are too bright for everyone yeah. do you know what I mean like why have we got to a stage where you have to we can't change something and we have to kind of just have one hour a week where it's different but I think what I'm interested in is kind of for you Sam because I think my worry is that we have all these guests on and they're people who are doing really cool commun- kind of stuff in their community or supporting people or, um, but I think what's, what's important kind of to know is that people aren't born kind of doing these things or people aren't kind of don't from like a seven-year-old on there, like what I want to be when I grow up, don't say, oh, I want to kind of do these things. It's something that anyone, isn't it? And I think you're a really lovely example of that as someone who. Is it got into a job they didn't kind of anticipate being into, but has found that actually they're really good at it?
0: Yeah, I mean that's for other people to say. I don't yeah. know. If I'm really well, good no, at it.
1: but well, not I, okay. also has found I've, that they really yeah. enjoy it and that that brings them a lot of benefit as well.
0: Yeah, I think that's 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 the point I want to make. Is just like it's only it only, like my life is only enriched by spending time with like the learners at the mm-hmm. college because the way they but uh, they can experience joy that like is just in my head absolutely unattainable. Yeah. I just see some some how happy some of them are. And I'm just like, what the f-? you know, I could never be that happy. That's crazy. Yeah. But yeah. at the same time, I've seen like people so distressed that yeah. I could never even imagine being like that as well. And it only it only, you know, develops my the more time I spend there it just develops my kind of understanding, but also like empathy further. And, you know, I think.
1: And we need that because we don't have, I remember when we, I was reading a lot of stuff about um, defund the police. And I also watched that, um, is it the 13th, the documentary on Netflix? And what a little yeah. part of it was about how they had police in schools. And actually there was a lot of, um, people who with autism or additional needs um you know or kind of ADHD or anything that made you be- made you behave differently within a system that wasn't designed for you yeah. who were getting arrested um kind of and then that was being on their record because the police officers in the schools didn't understand those behaviors and i think there's part yeah. of another part of this kind of uh, social model of disability is this kind of suspicion or this assumption that we have that someone behaving behaving differently is behaving wrongly. Yeah. And I think... Um,
0: Even in the UK, I think, and I'm I'm very aware that I'm pulling this number out of my arse, but it's something about like 75% of UK inmates have some kind of mm-hmm. learning difficulty or, or yeah. learning disability or, um, yeah, something like that. And not, you see
1: it, you see that because um, I work with quite a lot of teenagers, and you see that thing where you wish that you could just kind of like Rubik's cube the world to yeah. kind of fit fit what they need, but we don't have the we don't have the funding primarily, but also I think a lot of people um, we don't have we're not educated about how important it is to kind of, to be flexible in what we're thinking and what we're doing as well yeah. and i think i hope as part of that kind of we spoke about this um with just speak about it with lanks that kind of defund the police mentality i think it's kind of we've got to also deconstruct that mentality of different is wrong or like different is that person's behaving like that so they must be that it's suspicious call the police kind of thing
0: yeah yeah hopefully and, and hopefully as well we'll we can dip into a few more of my colleagues and they can probably
1: yeah come uh, on and
0: come on yeah. and because expl- we've got lots of colleagues who are doing other amazing stuff as well as working at the college um and they could probably explain this a bit more eloquently than I am because oh, I had a few beers last night So <laughs> <laughs> my brains a bit
1: I yeah. think another kind of interesting thing is so I've been doing a lot of stuff for work and I've been trying to find a lot of resources about um anti-racist practice and been trying to kind of put those in place with varying degrees of success um but one of the interesting things that I read is, is if you learn if you teach people and teach institutions how to work with someone who is perceived as an other so in if this in the instance of what I was reading it was about identifying um, people who aren't white and kind of this yeah. discrimination that they are facing both by people and institutions and society you get really good at spotting it for other people as well other people who are marginalized other people who aren't thriving within yeah. society this is side note sorry why i really hate that american dream thing or like that thing about like oh if you work hard you'll do well it's like well, yeah, if yeah. it's
0: bullshit you're a typical
1: pe- straight
0: yeah and people and people who also say as well it's like, um, you know, I treat everyone the same. Like I, I would treat everybody the same. It's like but that's not that's that also is not equality. Yeah. yeah, treating everybody exactly the same because some people, you know, are different. So you need to treat people differently.
1: Yeah, accommodate. Yeah,
0: to In the, to the be same equal, way that you're yeah. flexible
1: with your different friendship groups. Like there's some friends that I will talk about. Talk more in depth about music with, but then there's other friends who, if I started talking about that level of depth with them, they'd roll their eyes and be like, "What? Like, why? Who are you?" Kind of thing. And I think it's about it's the same way that you adapt yourself to social situations. Learn to adapt to situations that you're unfamiliar with or that you might make you feel uncomfortable.
0: Yeah, yeah, completely. And you know, addressing someone's differences is, is not a bad thing. Yeah, difference makes us. You know, differences
1: is exciting and interesting yeah. and it's we need and another thing and i remember actually really thinking about this because you told me a story about when you right at the beginning about putting the covid um restrictions in in your school and having to say to people right you can't go fra- through that door um you have to go on the one way because this is the way it works and the people you yeah. were being like but the door's like, right what the there hell
0: you were talking about the doors like saying to someone you can't go through that door like Yes, I can. But right. why and, and open yeah. it? Yeah. So you. And know, why you... are
1: we not valuing that critique of our society? Why are we not valuing yeah. that critique of our systems? Because it is stupid that they can't, that they can't go through and that door. And
0: that's in you know that's in an SEN college. where yeah. we're meant to be you know. So it took a lot of kind of people like me included sitting down and being like, "How can we? How can we help them understand this point?" So yeah. there, so then they are equal and they have the same understanding. Because if you treated everyone the same, you can say to me, "You can't go through that door because of COVID," and I'll understand it.
1: If Not even. Treat- no, I think actually, let's say like you'll comply, like you'll, yeah, 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 But yeah. that, that rule has been made for a reason and won't question it. But like, what a value in being like, but why? But why can't I go through that door? We've lost that, I think, because we don't. Yeah, if you are part of a society that was designed for you and by people like you then you don't have a need to critique it and then nothing changes for the better as well we need critique don't we we need people saying this isn't working for me so that we can
0: evolve and just absolutely you know there was um like someone who'd been working at um at the college had was leaving and they sent out this email and it was this really beautiful email about kind of how, how, you know, the world's crap and doesn't value the people that we work with. But by, by work doing what we do, we are living some kind of resistance to Mm -hmm. this society that's doing what
1: compassionate resistance. That's my favorite kind of,
0: yeah. where, Where else could, you know, you could experience, you could like experience such highs and such lows and such emotional attachments to, people that you work with and uh, there was like this really nice little stories like just today like I walked past said learner on the decking and he was teaching um a student like a uh, teaching a staff member how to dance to five and yeah. and then I turned around another corner and there was a 40 year old like male support worker painting um another learner's toenails are, like hot pink It's like where else does this kind of thing happen and yeah. that's kind of you know, it is a
1: resistance.
0: Yeah, I think so.
1: It's saying these pe- these people who you haven't thought about in society have yeah. deserved... helping
0: marginalized people is is a living a resistance yeah. to whatever it is, whatever is going on in the world at the minute, and it's always um, a worthwhile thing to do.
1: Are you doing deliberate segues into the next <laughs> choice? Because if you are brilliant hosting should we talk about your song choice because it seems like a really really
0: perfect point to actually before that i just wanted to do some honorable mentions for films i know i picked school School of rock but um kind of films that really identified i identified with and you know solidifying my identity anyway Mm -hmm. it's like a, a northern person a film's kind of like um like Kez and Rita Sue and Bob Two and like the History Boys, they're, yeah. they're films that I like loved also and really identified with. So the song is Oxygen by Willie Mason. Mm-hmm. As you said, yeah, we have sung it together many times. And I many think times. I think to a lot of people of our age who, you know, maybe hold similar beliefs to us or certainly maybe into the same kind of music um it is it's it's an anthem isn't it yeah it is Um, you can
1: sing it really crossly but still feel like you're being like productive angry rather than just like angry angry
0: and the switch from the the verses are so like straightforward and really driving and then the chorus just floats off into this lovely like melody of just it turns into like a like the verses are like, you know, change the fucking world. Like there's a um,
1: the line dun, dun, like yeah. I wanna
0: live beyond the modern mentality where where paper yeah. is all that you're taught to create, like that's that stuck with me. And then it just floats into this beautiful love song just in the in the chorus, and it's just like the world just keeps on spinning. Yeah.
1: Until you're um, dizzy.
0: Yeah. Um this, it's just a beautiful song. And just, I, I, I did. Um, I nearly picked another Willie Mason song, which is We Can Be Strong. Okay. Yeah. Because I think that's all about dropping out of uni and, you know, going back to live on your mum's couch, which I never did, but dropped out of uni, definitely. And that's, you know, still might be quite a major regret, but also that song made it feel okay and like you still got purpose, you still got you still got to give so much even though you dropped out of uni, it doesn't make you yeah. like useless. But um I
1: think there's a real um and I quite often talk about this. I think with our specific kind of maybe even like five to ten year age bracket, there was this thing of like go to uni, your path is, you do your GCSEs. For me anyway, not for everyone obviously I've obviously came from like a kind of, quite like a academic vibe but like do GCCs go to uni and then you'll get a really good job and then that'll be it and then obviously as we went to uni or just before there's this giant like economic crash and all of a sudden having a degree wasn't enough just to get a job and I think like my younger brothers and sisters have a good understanding of that and they kind of make these informed decisions about what they want to do and kind of is it for what i want to be or who i want to be is it worth me going to uni it's kind of a different value isn't it but i think at the time from what you're saying when you dropped out of uni it was still that very much that vibe for our really specific age group of like yeah that's you what you should have, have done yeah
0: yeah you need to have a degree
1: yeah need,
0: and it was like you know i just remember just knowing that it just wasn't for me and i yeah. just I tried two times like in the space three years to just do it and I just just couldn't get it's through it so, one thing, pers- it's so me.
1: wonky and so prescriptive and it's like you go in this room and it's the person who can argue the best who like owns the room it's not the person who like cares the most and I feel like yeah. our generation weirdly learned that actually that's the value isn't being able to argue rather than there being a value in caring which I hope as we've got older, we've kind of got back to, um, yeah. and actually it's kind of segues quite interesting nicely into what I want to talk about again now, which is kind of you doing your counseling course, because I know that was something that you wanted to do. And I'm really pleased that you're doing it now and I think there is something to be said for making decisions about your career as someone who's older rather than as just like an 18 year old who just got to be able to drink and then separately or when you're not drinking drive like who's making decisions at that time you're just yeah driving completely
0: like you know I was It's even it's even before you're 18 you have to like choose
1: your a levels and you're 16 you have to choose years your old yeah. you, have
0: to, you have to you know narrow down your choices to three or four different subjects yeah. as to what possibly you might want to do like later I on in life
1: did chemistry and physics
0: yeah <laughs> I was I like, like,
1: <laughs> chemistry physics english and history that's like the most indecisive a levels of all time <laughs> yeah I did, Eng-
0: I did english language english literature and communication and culture studies which was fun it was just yeah. a, bit a bit of a dos yeah but um but, yeah, so having the experience that I have now and kind of even even in that music community that was involved in the, you know, mental health was a thing that I don't think was really spoken about too much, but you could definitely tell that you it was very You could see
1: it and you were aware of it, I think. In
0: the, yeah. yeah. So that kind of... I've always been aware that, you know, people people really you know suffer just in their own heads and silently and then coming to Brighton and starting working at the college is just you know as I spoke about before like helping people is kind of like a resistance and it really cemented that for me and it's like and then I was just like where can I take this what can I do and um I've always just enjoyed like kind of I suppose that's a reason like I wanted to do this podcast as well. It's just sitting and listening to people and listening to people's experiences. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so I did, um, I started, yeah, training to be a counselor, which takes quite a long time. Yeah. I'm like kind of like halfway through it. Now I'm on a bit of a sabbatical year. Um, so yeah, hopefully next September I will pick it up again and uh, two years after that, will be a qualified counsellor. But
1: and what do you feel like is a key? Because obviously, a brilliant thing I think about being our age is that you you kind of get back. You like are reflective enough to learn. So then you like you don't have this giant ego anymore, and you're like yeah. kind of like a sponge again, like the same way that you are in your teenager. I feel like I've become a sponge again. I'm just like, tell me these things. Let me grow a little bit. So do you feel like you've kind of learned things and kind of grown a bit from learning?
0: How- yeah, 100%. I think one of one of the reasons that I didn't want, didn't, uni wasn't working for me is because I didn't want to learn at that point. I just wanted to do stuff. I just wanted yeah. to, to do, I just wanted to, I just thought, I had all the answers already and, you know, there was no change in my mind in that. And I just wanted to do stuff and just be productive. And that's, you know, I've, found a, a community which i could do that in mm-hmm. um but yeah get i think it's when you pass that 25 point you're just a bit like man i just want to learn i want to learn yeah so much more there's so much more to learn um and yeah you can make informed decisions on your experiences um and i hope that kind of just carries on you know i hope you just Mate, I don't know if you get to a point again where you decide I don't want to learn anymore again. But yeah, I'm I'm enjoying this
1: this drive space. to learn. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um and that going back to like counselling, have done a lot of thinking about what kind of counsellor I would want to be. And obviously I think my experience in SEN is just so yeah value so yeah it is, it's is. and I see this
1: actually because I have a, a lot of the teenagers who I work with so quite often yes it's all quite often boys but a couple of girls who've had um, either undiagnosed or not really very strong symptoms of ADHD, ASC, autism um, and then kind of become teenagers and then have these incidents and have these are overwhelmed mm-hmm. because all of a sudden relationships become really important, and all of a sudden how you communicate becomes really important, and how you understand social situations becomes important, and like if you're trying to understand social situations in a way that are built for people who are neurotypical, and of course it's you know it's stressful enough already, isn't it? Yeah, and I think we don't have enough people who are counselors or people who are professionals who have that foundation in understanding what that. Is like for someone.
0: Yeah. And I'm like I'm not, I'm not I don't want to that like devalue anyone's experience at all. And I think everyone should everyone should get counseling and it should be yeah. more accessible to everyone. Mm-hmm. It shouldn't be this, you know, exclusive thing, which unfortunately it is. And I would it should I be think... like
1: that thing in America, you know, when they're like I hate how they say it but like my therapist says, and mm. I'm like, what let's like let's make it something that people Access and talk about when they're feeling,
0: yeah. Also, I find it weird when they say, like, um, oh, my therapist told me to do this because what that's not how it should be. I've yeah. learned about counseling is that you don't yeah. give any direction, no, um, and you allow people to come to their own conclusions. So, yeah, I think, um, Are they
1: life coaches. This, I actually always have this thought. I'm in life coaching is different, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but the American therapist always sounds a bit more like life coaching because i think
0: that i is... think i think also just a lot of in in like the media or whatever in television or films therapist roles are written about people who aren't you know therapists so <laughs> they like write about therapists really know it. yeah everyone's got this idea that you'll go to therapy and others tell you exactly what to do yeah um but, but you've so many... got
1: to be ready. You've got to kind of be going with an open mind, don't you? Saying, yeah, like...
0: therapy not going to work if you don't want to do it. Like, yeah, that's, that's one of the key things as well. But I'll, like, I still, I've still got. I would hate to try and sound like a voice on, on it because I know I've still got a lot to learn. But like I'm interested
1: not... in your learning, your learning yeah. to do it because I'm interested in the learning process because there's a lot to unlearn. I think isn't there? When yeah you're yeah completely to do. it's
0: so it's so difficult because obviously you do practice sessions and all you want to do is someone's unloading to you and all you want to do is just give them advice and yeah. you, say, have you thought about doing this or do you want to do that and it's like holding that back is mm-hmm. um yeah that's that's the first kind of thing to you've got to master about not just not giving advice and just listening
1: have you done um motivational interviewing
0: no what's that
1: so it's like you. Um, encourage the person to come up with the change in behavior themselves and they do it but you do it by kind of listening and then reflecting back what they feel so you'd be like
0: listen yeah listen reflecting back summarizing yeah um, yeah and then
1: you identify as the motivator for change and then Mm -hmm. you'd be like so you'd be like oh I love vaping and then blah, blah blah and then you'd be like oh but you know obviously we don't really know The kind of long-term effects of it and then you and you kind of identify that person finding their own change which again goes back to what we said with Lanx last year last year (laughs) last week about like listening to people and kind of uh being really tuned in as a way of connecting and a way of working with people rather than just being like oh well he wants to vape so he's going to keep on vaping kind of thing
0: yeah 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 that's that's basically what counselling is.
1: I'm jealous that you're do, a little bit jealous that you're doing it.
0: You can, hey, there's no, nothing stopping you.
1: No. Apart from I'm very bossy.
0: Yeah. <laughs> maybe you could become a life coach.
1: Yeah, maybe life coach is a better pathway for me.
0: But I think as well, I was going to say that I want to, I think, you know, saying, like I said, I don't want to devalue any experience, but I think I would be better off I certainly want to work with marginalised people who don't usually get access to counselling. I would love to work in like prisons and you know people with learning disabilities and um, you know people that can't just afford fucking sixty five pounds an hour an hour yeah counsellor you know. Um, So I might be a very poor counsellor, but but rich in rich in heart.
1: Rich in heart, rich in resistance, which you know gets more respect from me these days.
0: Boom! There we go.
1: Boom! So, do you that kind of Willie Mason song? Do you think it captured something that you were feeling at the time? Because I remember hearing it on a, um, like a comp, one of those compilation CDs I've spoken about before, yeah, like probably, yeah, probably yeah. like the bands, the bands O four or something.
0: Yeah. I think I think I remember watching like the video on MTV2 or something like that or
1: and do you think it captured something you were feeling or do you think it inspired yeah, yeah, completely it,
0: it was it was another one of those things of someone someone describing how I feel when I didn't even know what I yeah, was feeling and I just like that. yeah and just putting it putting it something into words that you feel but can't necessarily quantify yourself, and just kind of then it being so clear to you, and that feeling of just belonging again—that someone out there is feeling the same. Feeling and the
1: same th- thing as you, yeah. And it's,
0: and it's possible. And and also it. as
1: a teenager, I want to be better than oxygen. Like, what a perfectly vague aspiration for being yeah. like, however old. Like, I want to be something. I know I want to be great, but I don't know what I want to be. I want to be better than oxygen kind of thing i think it's he captured even though he obviously wasn't a teenager at the time i remember hearing it and definitely being like this feeling that you have is something that i i'm feeling
0: yeah yeah completely yeah it just it just summed up just kind of and i suppose to set out a guideline for how i wanted to live my life as well mm-hmm. and to set out a template um something to adhere to something to stick to
1: do you want an honourable
0: mention song? Oh, yeah. Um, go on, then.
1: Go on, then. I think
0: something that's always been with me in my life, um, and it's my favourite song of all time, is Sweet Thing by Van Morrison. Yeah.
1: <laughs> that's why I asked, because I was like, Sam has chosen this song, which means a lot to him, and I think a lot to like our friendship, but there's also some space for van morrison in this discussion yeah
0: van morrison's always gonna van morrison's just one of those people just remember like driving like 10 hours or whatever down to france in the car and just just van morrison just playing all the time and just falling in love with the way that he sings and just beautiful and just astral weeks as an album is just it's the most beautiful album Mm -hmm. in the world and just that song in particular yeah it's like it's you know, it's gonna be the first dance at my wedding. It's and also I think
1: spoilers.
0: Sorry, is that meant to be a secret? <laughs>
1: I thought you were supposed to tell people.
0: Well, so maybe I'll pick something different. I
1: mean, I could have guessed that it was gonna be that. So. Yeah, and, <laughs> it,
0: and I want it like playing at my funeral, like it's just um it just I don't even know all the lyrics really. A lot of it's just like, it's
1: just like a feeling.
0: But it's just a feeling that there seems to this thing encapsulate life for me yeah and just Mm -hmm. yeah that's it's sad but it's hopeful and it's beautiful but kind of very it's just four chords over and over again it's a very simple yeah it's not um it's like I think it's surprising is and it's one of the it's a it's a song that I really love because I love Van Morrison I love like a lot of stuff that Van Morrison's done but people have this idea of Van Morrison as being a bit like a cheesy kind of singer. And I don't know why, but I always like surprising people with that song as well and being like, have you actually ever listened to Van Morrison? Like it's not just just Brown Eyed Girl, it's like, he's so good. And I think it's becoming, I'm not going to say I... I started the resurgence in like van morrison's popularity if you hadn't cool said kids, that i was gonna of, say that a lot of people <laughs> a lot of people who consider themselves cool and like you know cool music are all playing van morrison yeah, now and they love yeah, him and i was yeah. like yeah i've always said who that?
1: started that yeah
0: it was I probably me. that you know yeah. things built thing I, I i spoke to a lot of people about van morrison yeah you did, um, so you know those things us. We listened
1: to "Sweet Thing" at six AM
0: oh, a I lot of times. Oh, I couldn't even. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of songs. I I mean, there's there's so there's many. There's a lot songs. of six
1: AM songs. Yeah, to a, fair, aren't there? I have
0: I have a playlist called "Woe." Now, if anyone wants to yeah. see all of my favorite songs, <laughs> but yeah. I love, yeah, I love music, and I love, I love playing people, and I feel really passionate about.
1: You love sharing a song as well, yeah, don't yeah. you? If I, if, yeah. I like,
0: if I like a song, like everyone's got to hear it, everyone's yeah. got to, and everyone's got to shut up and respect it and, and feel <laughs> feel the vibe, yeah. like I do. Um, so yeah, which I think is why I enjoy kind of playing records a lot, and you know. Because
1: it's sharing, isn't it? yeah people who Dj and people who have radio shows and people who put steal the Orcs cable at song at parties yeah. everyone thinks that it's coming I think people can think that it's coming from a place of arrogance of saying I know the best songs, but yeah. I think it's coming from a place of I love this and I want I know that this is yeah, and I want to share it. it yeah that's
0: definitely that's definitely the feeling that I have like when I Dj and stuff I just I'm just wanting to. Share with people like some stuff that I've found or or making people rethink their ideas about certain artists as well. Van I really Morrison. like doing Van Morrison, <laughs> Die Straits. Um,
1: Love Die Straits yeah, as well. Dire Straits are
0: great. <laughs> um, but yeah, and I think I remember um, using
1: my dad's, um was there a thing where maybe it was Spotify, but when I was like young, so it can't have been Spotify. Maybe on like Apple, you could see what people were listening to i remember listening to dire straits and my dad texted me being like why are you listening why why are you listening to dire straits and then feeling a bit ashamed like there was something that i yeah. shouldn't listen to for like a while being <laughs> a bit embarrassed about it um, nothing to be embarrassed about
0: but in terms of like music as well i think um yeah the way me and danny are um putting something together which hopefully will be be very cool i think we're going to try and build build a website and have kind of a music sharing platform and hopefully get a lot of different people involved and get people sharing music maybe maybe some yeah maybe some radios kind of thing and people creating mixes and playlists and stuff so yeah um keep an eye out for that i'm sure once it gets a bit more formed i'll I'll mention it on the mm. pod as well
1: and yeah. lockdown I think I've in lockdown I've got really into oh god this is so like pretentious I've got really into like smaller radio so like always listen to NTS but I've like been trying to find lots of people start their own small yeah. radio stations haven't they and I think it's been a really good time for people who wouldn't necessarily like the only person I knew before who had a radio show is my dad he has one called Electronic Ears which is Brilliant! If anyone wants to tune in, lots of electronic music history and trivia. Um, but he was the only person that I knew, and then now it seems like loads of people are take kind of saying like, "There's a I'm in my house. I want to keep sharing. I can't yeah. share in the pub anymore. I can't share in the bar that I work in. I can't kind of we can't go out and see the bands that I love. I can't take you to a gig anymore. So what I'm going to do is create a platform to share myself, and I think that's been. I think we've been disconnected, but we've become more connected, haven't we? In a way.
0: And hopefully, what we're going to do is like you know unite a lot of those people under one convenient umbrella. Uh, And even people who aren't confident in like DJ skills, like we we kind of we want to encourage people, even if they just you know want to get like um like some track listing together, and we can we can make the mix or you know get them involved somehow. We want want kind of everyone could get involved in it in some way so i think it'd be really it's 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 a it's, a it's fetus, exciting it's a fetus of an idea at the minute but, okay it's um, <laughs> not a bad analogy a
1: way to describe an
0: idea it's, like a, it's, a, poetic, it's, a chi- it's a little chickling of an idea at the minute <laughs> it's not Have hatched out egg? of it it's not hatched yet but um it's brewing it
1: sounds exciting
0: yeah yeah i think um i think it'd be really nice and yeah just i'm always up for doing stuff like that connecting people and helping people it's good it's a good way
1: well that's how we made friends isn't it i think
0: yeah 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 definitely liking the
1: same song is a good personality like Mm. decipherer isn't it willie mason Um, oxygen (laughs)
0: willie mason oxygen great tune
1: great tune lovely well i i'm happy with
0: that yeah lovely lovely little um Lovely little chat. It was nice being on the um, the opposite, the receiving end of yeah. the the interrogation. It's quite
1: of, hard saying, yeah. uh, talking about yourself. I think.
0: Yeah, it is, and it's very. um, I, I quite like talking about myself. <laughs> no, but, no, but think, there's
1: a different. There's different levels. So, like, yeah, it's nice yeah, yeah. talking about what you've done. But I think it's harder talking about what you feel or what you want to be.
0: Yeah. Um I think also, I didn't realize how hard it is to just pick one thing of each. yeah right, <laughs> uh, yeah, respect to everyone who's already done it and just given us their answers without yeah. any kind of hesitation. that's them. Um,
1: School of rock. Amazing, <laughs> amazing, amazing choice. <laughs> yeah,
0: I said I wish wrong. that you
1: hadn't told me before that your film choice was going to be School of Rock, so we could like capture my live response to yeah. that being it. <laughs>
0: um. So yeah, we'll be we'll be back next week with um another a guest that isn't one of us two. But I've enjoyed yeah. I've enjoyed just having a just a chat with you again. That's been it's been very nice.
1: A lovely catch up.
0: And as always... And um, I've learned more
1: about you, which I didn't think would be...
0: You didn't, well, didn't realise there was more to learn. Yeah. So always we'll more, more, the whole
1: always more to learn, yeah. something cool and you want to be on it get in touch
0: as well yeah yeah definitely if if you if you or someone you know is think, is doing something oh my god be, yeah be secret
1: nominate your friends I would love that yeah that would yeah. be great yeah yeah
0: um, just let us know we're all we're looking we're looking at the minute for people to come on the podcast um,
1: we love a chat we,
0: yeah and we're open to ideas uh, also yeah if you're enjoying it hit that subscribe button
1: yeah, because we, for our egos, need to see the subscribers. It's not about yeah. you; it's about us.
0: Uh, Write a review. Um, yeah. <laughs> of, we didn't get any more five-star reviews, so we're still on free 5 five-star reviews. So, if you which is to, good.
1: That's more than I've had before, to be fair. Yeah,
0: and they're all they're all five star as well. So oh, what, there's
1: no less ones.
0: Yeah, that's hundred well, percent. There you go. <laughs> um. So yeah, do that. Tell your friends as well and just get, get people listening. And we'll see you next week. with see you a, next week. With a, a lovely guest that I'm sure will bring some interesting conversation. Or
1: warm your hearts, I think, yeah. actually. If it's who I think it's going to be.
0: Right, I'll see you next week then, Charlie. Take right. care. See you next week. Bye.
1: Bye. They will swing by